Hey everybody and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast. I'm so glad that you guys are all here. Thank you so much for listening. Today we're going to be chatting with one of my close friends, Allison Valsimus. You can follow her on Instagram at Braided and Blonde. Allison's one of my closest friends. She's an amazing updo educator. She's an amazing stylist and so much more. I hope that you like this interview and I hope you're having an amazing day. Welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast. Hey, Allison. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy I get to interview you on my podcast. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so proud of you and the podcast you're putting out and everything that you're doing. And it's like an honor for me to be a guest on it. I love that. Thank you so much. And we've been friends for a couple of years now, and it's just been awesome to get to know you. And every time we get together, I feel like our conversations are just next level. And anytime we get together, we're like, we need to be podcasting or we need to be live right now, or we need to share this. And I just feel like we both like have that generous heart and we always want to share. So I think that this is great that we're together and I want to just give you the floor and give you a moment to share with our audience who you are and anything you want to share with them. And we'll just get into it and we'll just have a chat. So go for it. All right. So I know it's funny because I remember being like hanging out with you in the, uh, in your old salon space and it was like nine o'clock at night and we were like, an hour had gone by and all of a sudden you and I were both like, this is really deep. We should be recording this. Like, why, why aren't we recording it? So, um, well, my name is Allison and you can find me online at Braided and Blonde. Um, I have been a stylist for like 16 or 17 years now. I've been an educator for almost all of that. And, um, in the last three years, I've started really focusing my energy on educating for um, braiding and styling, but also for trying to really reach other stylists that are struggling or, you know, mental health is such a big thing for me. It's one of my, like, I'm always working on myself. I'm a huge work in progress. I've struggled with mental health almost all of my life. And so, I found in this like Instagram world that I was kind of thrown into about four, almost four years ago when I started over in a new salon after having my kids, um, you know, there's so much of this like positivity, this like rah, rah, good vibes only. Um, and it really affected me in a not positive way. Like the positive is my, I'm so blessed for the career and, and all the stylists I've met and being able to like educate now on my terms and teach the way I want to teach and what I want to teach. But I really want to remind people that we're all the same and we have the same thoughts and feelings and insecurities and emotions, um, regardless of what it may look like on the, uh, on the other side of social media. So I like to connect in that way with the people who take my classes and remind them that we're all human. And it's been like my favorite part. Educating is my, is my passion. It's my favorite thing in the world to do. I'm also a mom and a wife. (laughs) I love that. And I love your classes and I love the way you teach. Like I've gotten to teach with you before. And I remember like the first time I like actually took your class and I was like looking around and I was just like, is everybody fucking hearing this right now? (laughs) 
it was just like an amen like yes i agree like i just vibe with you so hard and i just think it's so awesome so i wanted to go in and just chat with you just about your story and just to help our audience during every day of their life i mean you're a mom an educator a wife a woman in no specific order all of these things require time effort energy and we all wear all of these hats all of the time and men and women and i know that successful people have strategies that they use to help them move forward to help them achieve their goals and i wanted to know what kind of strategies that maybe you used to help you uh, reach your goals and that maybe help you in your day-to-day or that you think could help somebody else or maybe something that has helped you through something that could help somebody else so um has there been anything in your life that you struggled with like that you feel you know you want to share about that you know a lot of people struggle with or maybe a common question that you get and you're like i'm getting this question because i'm meant to share about it is there anything like that uh yeah there's a lot like that i will say um i think for me the biggest question i think anyone that like runs their own business or educates or has kids at home like especially when my kids were little and i was traveling all over the place like there really is this weird way that we treat moms like don't you miss your kids and and the honest answer is not for 48 hours you know and then you say that to people and they kind of like look at you but then they're like oh my god like i wanted to hear somebody say that but nobody ever (laughs) nobody ever says that um but really about balance and i think that that for me is is what i try to relate to people is that there there is no such thing as is balance like you're not going to ever look at the scale of your life and have you know family and work meeting at the equal at, at an equal point on the scale and so um that was really hard for me you know i um i just got into like the enneagram like the personality test was the way that and they use it in therapy there's like nine different types of personalities and i'm a four which is an individualist and a four's greatest fear is that um there's nothing special about us and we're not significant. And um, so we're really self-critical, you know, so I used to beat myself. Wait a second. Hold on. What is this personality test? Okay. So this has been like my big breakthrough over the last six months. So it's called the Enneagram personality test. It was developed by a bunch of like scientists and psychiatrists and they use it sometimes um, for therapy and psychology. And there's nine different personality types. So you can be a combination of two. I am wholly a four, like a thousand percent a four. And it talks about what your strengths and what your weaknesses are, what your fears are. And it gives you points of growth and what you can do and what tools you can access, like what it looks like to be a fully developed grown four, right? So for because we as a four, I'm afraid that I'm going to have no value and be insignificant. It also has, I have a tendency to look over, and this is why I relate so much to stylists in my class. I have a tendency to look around me at other things and other people and say, oh, well, they've already done it. So there's no room for me. And so I fill that self-fulfilling prophecy of not being significant. So I, I would like, I'll do nothing before I'll do anything, right? Because I get overwhelmed and I don't feel like I'm good enough. 
And so I've been working a lot on that and you can take the test for free online. So I encourage everybody and you'll read it and you'll be like, oh my God, because it talks about like envy and I don't see myself as, I'm not a jealous person, but I look at other people and immediately compare it to like my belief that I'm not the significant one, that someone else was destined to be the significant one. And so there's a lot of truth in it that you read at first about yourself and you're like, oh, that's not very nice. But we have to stop judging parts of our personalities as good or bad. Like the combination of the good and bad is what makes us whole. And if we can start to like acknowledge and see those bad, not bad parts, just as another part of who we are and start to understand it and start to like talk ourselves out of it when we go in there. It's just another tool to make us a more healthy and full person. There are no like good and bad parts. It's just all these little things that make up who we are as a person. So I've been doing a lot of work with that. I love that. Yeah. That that reminds me of something I heard. Um, It's, it was pain, pain digs a well. What do you fill it with? Do you fill it with like hope, gratitude, joy, or do you fill it with resentment, anger, pain, blah, 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 all of these things. And it's, I love those personality tests because it's like, sometimes you need a place to start and those personality tests to help you understand yourself. Like I'm such a sucker for those. Like I love them because we're always looking for ways to explain like our bullshit that we like, you know, and it's not even bullshit, but like the, how we see it where I'm like, how can I even move forward from here? Like I need to understand everything about what's going on first. I love that. Thank you for that. I'll link it in the notes for this podcast. Yeah. Cause it talks about like these core feelings and it all comes from you know, um, our experiences as children that we don't necessarily have the conscious awareness of. And some people, like, it's your core reactive feeling. So either it's sadness, most of the time it's sadness or anger. And it's hard to differentiate between the two. Um, But we tend to create circumstances in our life that allow us to feel our comfort feeling. So some people, that's anger. So they will create situations subconsciously without realizing in their lives that allow them to be angry because that is their comfort feeling that reminds them of that feeling like that they existed in as a child or sometimes it's sadness. So they'll create and that's why it's so hard for some of us to get out of anger and sadness because on a cellular level, that's where we're the most comfortable. Well, that, that's a great point. And that brings me to this, like when you get in those feelings of uncertainty where you get angry or you get depressed or you get whatever, what, what are some strategies that you use to get out? Because I know that you can go up to get out or you can go down to get out and going down could be, you know, drugs, picking fights, uh, being toxic, gossiping, self-sabotage, like a bunch of things you could do by, you know, instead of overcoming these problems, kind of succumbing to them. So like, what do you do or when, do you have any strategies that you use like day to day that help you remain confident and remain like in control of your busy AF life? Yes, I have a ton. And so I think that, um, just like people that have, you know, diabetes, like just like you would have a regimen to treat anything, we have to realize that like anxiety and fear and sadness and anger and all these emotions that 
for some reason over the last couple of years with that's why I talk about that like good vibes only like think positive I think for a lot of people they they see that and then they have anxiety and they're like what's wrong with me why can't I just think positive and that's because when you're anxious or you're having an anxiety attack you can't just think positive no matter what any Instagram post tells you so what you have to do is say okay I have anxiety I'm having anxiety attack how do I treat this and what do I have to do you know to to get through it you know and so I have a lot of strategies for a lot of different things. One of the things that I do is um, I get very overwhelmed. So if I have a to-do list that's very long or I am very anxious that day or my kids are driving me nuts or any number of things, um, I always make the joke to my husband, if you gave me six months to accomplish something, I would accomplish zero. And if you gave me three days, I would get 50 million things done. Like I, like I work so well under this like intense pressure cooker mentality, which is also very unhealthy because while I'm wasting all of the time that I have, I'm feeling worse about myself. So I have egg timers all over the house. Um, I read it in a book somewhere. I'm not sure which one, but being busy and being productive are not the same. And so I would run around my house all day, like start the dishes and then look over and be like, oh, I have to fold that basket of laundry start folding the basket of laundry, find something in there that makes me go wander into the office. Then I'm sitting on my laptop for 20 minutes and then I remember I never finished the dishes. And five hours later, not a single task has gotten completely done. So I set egg timers that are in every room of my house. And so for me, especially if I feel overwhelmed, like, oh my God, I'm never gonna accomplish anything. I don't know what to do with myself. I will set a timer for 30 minutes and say, okay, we're gonna like, do the dishes and clean the kitchen for 30 minutes. And then I'll focus on that. And when the timer is over, all of a sudden I've accomplished something and my mood's been elevated a bit for the day. And then I move on to the next one. And so that's one of the strategies I use a lot. Um, it's called time blocking and I commit to one task for a certain amount of time. And then when that timer is over, that task is over. And so it takes a little bit of practice um, to get into that sort of regimen, but the task is over and you move on to the next one. Before you know it, you've accomplished so many things and you have like a better overall mood. I also do a lot of meditation. I think it's important to remember that things like anxiety attacks, um, they don't last forever. So when we're in that, we get so wrapped up in, I'm having anxiety, I'm having anxiety, and we like hyper focus on it, which creates a bigger anxiety feeling and it lasts longer instead of saying, okay, this is an anxiety attack. It doesn't last forever. What is the best way for me to ride out this wave? So for some people, like, thank God for my husband, but my husband knows, like I had a day like that a couple days ago and it was like uh, five o'clock. I was like, he's like, you need to go in your room. Like, not like I was a child, but go in our room. I will take care of the kids for the rest of the night. Like you don't have to come back out here. And I just put my AirPods in and I listened to some meditation and I just waited for the next day because some days that's all you can do. And that's also okay. We have to start showing empathy and grace to ourselves the way we show empathy and grace to other people. We don't do it enough for ourselves. We forget to give ourselves the advice that we would give our best friends. We're really great at giving advice, but we don't treat ourselves that way. And that's where it starts from. We have to show ourselves the type of empathy and grace that we show other people or that we would expect our friends to show themselves. 
I love that so much. I'm like taking notes because like this is such amazing info and like I, I had an anxiety attack yesterday and it was because of so many different things compounded into one big day of fuckery for me. And it was so, I felt so embarrassed about it, um, mainly because I didn't like know the best strategy for me to get out of that feeling because I had never been in that feeling before with those kinds of things against me. So I was like minding my own business. Um, Steve was working at his friend's house and social distancing, staying far apart, whatever. And if you're listening to this 20 years from now, we're in weird pandemic times. And um, that it just makes me anxious that he's around people. Even if he's social distancing, I trust him. It makes me anxious though. And like, I just don't want to have to choose between going somewhere and staying home. I want to just stay home, but I don't want to stay home because I want to be around people. So that's anxiety right there. Like, I don't know what to do. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I know what I want to do, but I don't know what I want to do. And I'm just like, oh my fucking God, like literally, like I don't know what to do. So that's one thing. Then I will talk about it until I'm done talking about it. I quit smoking, have not driven in three weeks. So I'm in my car, which is my biggest trigger for me for 45 minutes, 45 minutes. Okay. <laughs> now, as soon as I get to my destination, as soon as I get to my destination, I'm like, need a cigarette, really anxious and not even wanting to like be there because I don't know, like if I should be there, even if I'm social distancing, I'm just like, I don't know. So all of that uncertainty. And then to top it all off, Allison, I was so hungry. I was so hungry and nothing was open because it was Easter Sunday. And I also was in a place where everything was 15 to 20 minutes away. So during this time, I have a freaking crippling panic attack. I don't know what to do. Nobody can help me. So I have to figure out for me, instead of screaming at Steve and making him wonder why he's even with me in the first place, God bless that man. But like, instead of freaking out and going to anger, which I know will get me attention, I know will get me whatever, what else can I do? I think so many people right now, you know, this is such a, a, a unprecedented time for all of us, right? And so what I'm seeing when I'm watching and, and watch online and people's posts, you know, this is, um, people are grieving for one. So we're grieving um, our businesses, we're grieving our everyday lives, you know, we're grieving all these things. It's also a, a very traumatic experience that we're all having you know and so it's going to bring out these like anxiety attacks that are worse than ever or these feelings of sadness and depression that are worse than ever and I think the first part is you know understanding that there's nothing wrong with you it is okay everything is compounded exponentially I think for everyone how to help yourself is all trial and error because it's going to be different for different people so um, one of the mindfulness, so when I went through DBT, which is dialectical behavioral therapy, one of the things they teach you 
is kind of this concept of, you know, being self-aware enough to treat yourself the way anyone with any medical condition could would treat themselves. So how do you treat anxiety? And so for people, it's different, but you would, you made, we made boxes of like first aid kits for our brains, basically, right? So for some of you, it might be like an adult coloring book and some colored pencils. For some of you, it would be like essential oils that are scented, like calming, like lavender. Um, for some people, I have a journal in mind where I just write down all of the like nasty things I want to say to like my husband that like I know are not productive, but I'll write them down because for some reason, I still won't feel justified until I get it out of my body. Like I just need to like put it somewhere, even though it's all like this made up stuff. Um, for some people, it's crossword puzzles, like whatever it is, like, we're all going to have a different answer to that question. And sometimes it's just going in a room by yourself and like screaming, crying, yelling, and just waiting for it to pass. Because the good news is that it doesn't last forever. And sometimes you're not going to make it go away. And we get so caught up in how do I make this feeling stop? Because for some reason, like anxiety and depression, like we're told that those aren't good emotions, but they're there for a reason. You know, anxiety is part of the fight or flight. Like it was a part of us to protect ourselves. So why are we feeling anxious? Like, okay, my body's telling me something. We don't have to always make it go away. Sometimes you just have to ride it out. And sometimes it's awful and it's painful to go through, but if you allow yourself that, it'll stop faster, it'll end sooner, and you'll learn a little bit more about yourself along the way. And it's nothing yeah. to beat yourself up over. And it's so crazy because I'm taking notes here too. And I asked you the question, but you had already given me the answer. But I asked you again for the answer. Like I didn't even hear your question. I just needed to be heard about it. But this was the answer that you gave me. Remove yourself from the situation. So your husband was like, you need to go in your room. So what's good for you? So long, he sometimes recognizes my anxiety before I even do. He's like, "Oh, but you know, you know that's a solution for yourself." So you figured out that removing yourself from the situation and being quiet and still helps. The next thing you said was have support. Your husband being like, "Hey, time for you to go," and obviously someone to take care of your kids. The next you said was be kind to yourself and show self compassion. It was just like all through a story. And I was like writing. I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is amazing. And then I was like, let me tell my story. And I was like, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, now what do I do? And then you gave me 400 other amazing strategies all while I'm putting together. I'm like, wow, you're so great, Allison. It's been, um, well, it's, this is my, this has all been a part of, of the, my life journey. So I've, I've learned a lot along the way. And I think that it's true with anything. I know how overwhelming and how hard it is to do anything when you feel like that. But we have to start realizing that those feelings are symptoms. And so we have to treat them. We can't just allow ourselves to like lie there and wallow in them. And there are days for that. Trust me, I am... There are days where nothing gets done here and all I can like my bar for that day is like making sure everybody eats three meals and like a dish doesn't get done. Nothing gets done. And there are days that that happens and that's where that self-empathy and that self-forgiveness comes in. But you can't live there forever. You have to start treating the symptoms and treating those emotions and acknowledging them and finding whatever works for you. It's, it'll be different for 
going to be different for everybody. Um, you know, and finding people that support that and understand that you're on, you're trying to grow and you're trying to, you know, so like my husband who can now at this point recognize like some of those feelings in me before I even see them in myself and who don't say, you know, can you like get with it today? Like, let's like, that's not, those are not the people that you need necessarily to reach out to around you. You need the people to say, okay, this isn't going to last forever. What can you do? What are some things that you can do? And doing nothing is an okay option. Let's stop telling people that they can't just do nothing. This is an absurd time in life. It is absolutely okay to shut down and do nothing because you are processing a trauma and a grief. And a lot of the times, like, have you ever shared with somebody like something that's going on and then they give you like five amazing actionable steps to do so and you're more like just irritated with them like find somebody in your life who has the time to listen to you because if you don't if you put that if you put that stock into somebody who doesn't have the time who doesn't have the energy or who doesn't care you're going to be resentful and you're going to feel let down and you're not going to be able to utilize the amazing thing that is having that connection to somebody. So have people in your life. And my therapist told me to have a friend, you have to be a friend. Yeah. And that means when somebody calls you, like I we're we want everyone to just feel better all the time. Right. So if you're to be a friend, being a friend doesn't mean telling people, all the ways in which it could be worse, right? That's one thing that we do. You know, you call someone with this like sad thing that's happening. And I'll get, so, you know, people heard people have to reschedule their weddings, right? Right now, people are rescheduling weddings and that sucks. And then I have a friend of mine who was like, well, and then I called my girlfriend. She said, yeah, well, some people have to have funerals and can't even go. Like we have to stop like matching people's sadness and anger with something that's supposedly worse, right? Because that doesn't help. And that's not being a friend. Sometimes to be a friend, and this will help you be kinder to yourself. It's being like, you know what, that sucks. And it's unfair. And it shouldn't happen. Well, that's confusing significance with connection. There you go. Because that's like, those, those are paradox. So sometimes when you may be sharing your problem with somebody, their idea of connecting with you is making you feel not alone. Like, listen to my problem. It's nowhere near as bad as yours. And that's like to them in their head, they're trying to make you feel better. But in reality, a lot of the times we just want someone to just be like, hey, I've been there. Or, hey, I've made mistakes too. Or, hey, just to listen. You know, so to be a good listener sometimes is to just sit there with someone. And validate, and we want our feelings validated. We want some, and your feelings are valid. This, there's no, there's no competition for what the worst thing that happened to you that day was. You know, we're all going to react the same. You know, like there's nothing wrong with being anxious or being sad or crying. You know, I, we're all going to have emotions during the day, especially being stuck at home now for 30 plus days, you know. Things are going to set you off. And if you can understand that it's coming from a bigger thing, but also you should be able to vent that you're crying because your broom broke or you tripped over something or like there's just going to be the straw 
you need to have those people that like allow you and just validate it. Be like, I know, I absolutely understand. And I'm sorry. And I'm here. Yeah. And sometimes a lot of the answer is get better friends. Like if you have friends who make you feel like shit about yourself, get better friends, make some new friends. Uh, I was having this conversation with one of my clients a while ago. It was like two or three months ago. And she was just feeling like really like annoyed. She was just like, you know, I worked so hard and I feel like none of my friends think anything I do is important or worthy or significant of anything. Like, I just feel like they think I just do hair and they don't take anything I do seriously. And I'm just like, I understand that, but you have to understand that some people like you can't expect so much from people and the right people in your life, when you let go of others, you know, the right people in your life will be there because you'll finally have room for them. So look around. If you feel alone, look at who you're putting all your, your stock into, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, yeah, it's that whole concept of you, sometimes the answer is, is better friends. Like you have to, you, I think sometimes we expect the people in our life and however they got there, they got there, but we have this expectation that they will act in the way that we will, or in how we want a friend to act. And so you can't ask a person to be someone other than who they are, right? And this is even family. I I talk to people all the time about, you know, siblings or parents, just because you have this idea of or expectation of how a mother or sister or brother should behave in a situation doesn't mean your actual mother, sister or brother is that person. They are who they are. And, and the expectations that we put around the people around us are also ours to own. I, this is so interesting to me because like a lot of thoughts that I've been trying to wrap my brain around lately and we've had a lot of time to relax and 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 think about things and um a question that i ask is you know we make everything about us and if you can meet someone where they're at and not take everything so personal and make everything about you like life would be way more chill Like if I have like this uh, unhealthy habit of trying to make everything about me, like if I'll see some kind of weird thing, I'm like that, oh, what is that about me? Or, and it's not everything. It's not like I look at one Instagram post of someone I don't know. It's not that severe, but I do let things bother me. And it's like, I Googled it this morning and I was like, what does it mean to always think things are about you? And it was just like, it means you're (laughs) self-centered. And I was just like, am I (laughs) self-centered? I was like, I think I am a little bit. And it was just thinking like, don't make everything all about you all of the time. Like life is not that serious. Everybody is the center of their own universe. Like, how can you help? Like a lot of the times, like, I'm always like, how can I help? How can I help? And I do, I have a very generous heart and that's how I make things about me sometimes. You know what I mean? It's my generosity, but that could also be a double-edged sword, you know? So a lot of this good, bad, like it's good to notice where your stuff comes out, whether it could be really good and it could be like, oh yeah, you know, that's great. Or it could be like, hey, you're putting way too much stock into that. You're putting way too much stock into it. And just notice like what you do. Does that make sense? 
Oh yeah, it, it, it's all the facets of who we are. And that's why, you know, not stop labeling them as good or bad because they can serve, you know, so my, they can serve both sides of it. And so it's just kind of watch, journaling helps immensely. Like when you start to get a feeling like journal what's going on around you, like a lot of it is, you know, if, if, like you said, if I'm the center of my own universe and, you know, Joe Schmo is the center of his own universe and I'm expecting him to behave a certain way, he's obviously expecting the same from me. Like there's so much that goes on in our interpersonal communications and we're just seeing our own, you know, filtered side of it. And so meeting people where they are, that is, that that takes years of practice but that will see that will give you so much peace it actually serves you to meet people that's what i are. mean it's like it, it's you life so wouldn't be so hard it doesn't have it, to be so hard it doesn't and you it, a lot of the time everybody so you know we say this all the time right i'm doing the best i can and we feel totally fine saying that about ourselves well, the next time it's like a parent or a sibling or someone that you isn't acting the way, maybe they're doing, they're probably doing the best that they can, but we're not as comfortable saying that about somebody else that we feel has hurt us as we are saying that that's an excuse that we give ourselves. Like that's something that we use to make ourselves feel better. They're doing the best that they can too. You know, it's not, they're not trying, it's not an intentional thing. You know, they're doing the best they can. And if yeah. you have... And you, can't expect people, and you can't expect people to be like you all the time. Well, because they're not. <laughs> what were you saying if you have a square peg? Well, it's like, or, or it's the, the analogy. I gave my sister this analogy once. There was somebody, a friend of hers she was dealing with. And I was like, you are banging your head into a wall expecting a window to appear. Like, what are you doing? Like, you can't at some point, like... You're like, this is the person they are. You have to either accept them for who they are into your life or stop expecting them to be different. So you're the one creating the drama in your expectation, not them. They are actually consistently showing up exactly the same. So you're the one that has to change, not them. Well, you can change an entire relationship with one person. So the two questions that I ask myself um, every day, multiple times a day, especially like, with any something that gives me like a negative feeling is who am I being and what am I being right about? And so what I mean by that is, um, you know, even within your business, right? If you're getting frustrated about, you know, having a slow book, like even taking it back to like normal life, right? What are you being right about? What actions are you taking? What are you being right about? Because the actions you take that to answer that question, you're self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So in an interpersonal relationship, who am I being? What am I being right about? Am I being the victim? Am I being someone with hurt feelings? Am I being self-righteous? Do I need to be right? Like how important is being right right now? A lot of the time being right isn't as important as that relationship. But if you don't take the time to figure that out, you're just going to go in these circles. Sometimes, sometimes being right isn't important. Do you need to be right about this particular thing? Or am I being right with, you know, my husband, right? What do I need to be right about? Do I need to be right about the fact that like he's always late and probably listens to every fifth word I say? I don't need to be right about that. So like, let's just keep going. Let's find other ways. Like, come on. 
Are you trying to be right about the fact that your life isn't there? If you want to be right about that, I promise you, you will find evidence. universe will fulfill your expectations, you'll start to make different choices. Sometimes a good self-check-in is who am I being? How am I showing up? Am I showing up as a victim? Am I showing up angry? Am I showing up as, you know, someone who's self-righteous? And what do I need to be right about? Or what I am I being? That. I love that. And I love, I ask myself, what outcome am I seeking? Right, exactly. I say, what am I getting? What do I want from this? And a lot of the time I ask myself that when I'm in like one of those things of like, I don't even know what I want. I'm just like, you know, overwhelmed and stressed. Um, let's move on. I want to ask you another question. Um, what, and I, the reason I feel so connected to you is because you like changed my mind on whether or not I wanted to have kids and it was because, and I like always want to have kids always. And I, but I was really questioning it. I was like, I don't think I can, like, I love my job too much. Like, I don't think I can give it up. And I heard you on a podcast and it was the no stylist left behind podcast, I believe. And it was such a great interview with you. And I loved just like how you talked about your kids and your relationships and how you just never seem to have lost your identity. And like, that's like one of my biggest fears is to like lose my identity and like lose whatever. And I always put my identity with work. You know what I mean? And I think like having a strong identity outside of work, outside of kids, outside of wife, outside of all the roles and like being yourself is huge. Um, but here's my question. What advice can you give to somebody to have like better, more long lasting and more real relationships? Like you have relationships with so many people. You're a teacher, your wife, your mom, you're uh, behind the chair doing bridal. You are an industry influencer and you're Allison. All of these things. Like what advice can you give to like have strong relationships everywhere, even at work, like anywhere? Where, what can you add to that? Um, I, and I approach all of my relationships like this, you know, even the ones with my kids, I try to be, I'm very direct. I'm very honest. Um, I don't want to say that I'm non, I'm, I'm not afraid of confrontation because I don't have many confrontations because I'm just assuming that we're all human and that if I have a feeling you probably have it too. And so I just try to be very direct and very honest. And I, I talk, you know, I tell them, I kind of give them the expectation of me, you know, my friends know, like my friendships that I've maintained, they know that they might text me and it may take me seven days to get back to them. And not because I don't love them or because, you know, we have this joke, like if it is ever an emergency, you have to call me two times in a row. And then I promise I'll answer. You know, and knowing what people need from you and what you need from them is, is also really important and setting boundaries. So I definitely have made it a point to, uh, my circle is much smaller because I don't have to be everybody to everyone. And it is an unrealistic expectation to maintain all of these relationships. Um, but I'm very direct and I'm very honest. I'm very direct with my kids. Um, they, I don't know when parenting became a verb. 
You know, I don't, my kids don't need 300% of me. That's absurd. Why would I give my kids 300% of me? But I'm very honest with them. You know, they know that I have to work and they know why I have to work. And I also need them to develop their own personalities. You know, go be bored. It won't kill them to be bored. And letting them talk to their emotions. Like, my five-year-old is so mad at me for the last two days. Like, he's having a hard time. And I went into his room the other day and I was like, listen, I know you're mad at me. And it's totally okay for you to be mad at me. But it's not going to change what happened. But I want you to know that it's okay that you're mad at me. And he just kind of looked at, like, I'm not, I don't, I'm a human being and I want my kids to know that I'm human and I want my friends to know that I'm human. And I think that I've maintained those relationships because I'm open to sharing how I fail people. I apologize. I fail people all the time, but I don't want anyone to ever expect me not to fail them. I don't expect myself not to fail the people in my life. It's unrealistic. I'm a human being. And so I will say I'm sorry and I will acknowledge that it was wrong and we move on. You know, you can't move on if you can't talk about it. And so I try to put my energy into what's important for that week or that month. Some weeks, my family is the number one priority. Some weeks, it's my business. Some weeks, it's one of my friends who's going through a crisis. And that's where my focus goes because you can't, you can't give, you know, 50% or 100% to nine different people. So I try to focus my energy into where it's the most meaningful and, and who needs it the most at that time. And I also am very just kind of matter of fact and honest and open with everybody in my life about how I'm feeling. And I also allow people to be mad at me. Sometimes people you apologize and obsess over it and we allow for everyone in to grow in as a part of it if that makes sense i think no a thousand percent i'm i'm actually taking notes like i love it so much uh i love that and that's great advice of being real and honest and and i love the advice of like figuring out what they need from you in that relationship like i i was thinking about this earlier and people love the way they want to be loved. People treat you the way they want to be treated many times, not all the time, many times. So figuring out what that relationship needs from you, what is expected of you, meeting people where they're at, I feel like that fits there too. And just maybe oh, totally. like if, if, you know, there's two sides to every story, you know what I mean? So like say – say one of your friends really needs a lot of attention and they may be a little bit overbearing, you know, maybe you need a lot of attention. Maybe you're a little bit overbearing. It's like the it's like double-edged sword. So like maybe meet people where they're at and say like, Hey, they might be super busy or Hey, they might need more to more attention, you know, like just flipping it and always thinking about what that other person needs and minding yourself and what you're bringing to that relationship and just staying humble in the relationship too. And I, I love that. And being real about how you feel with them. Well, that overbearing friend, right? Like that goes to that communication. So my reaction has been to people in my life that have been that way is I've sent a text or calls and I've said, listen, I love you so much. And I'm not trying to hurt your feelings at all, but please understand like 
I'm really, really busy. And so I'm not trying to ignore you. I really do love you, but I'm not a small talk kind of person. And you know that about me, you know, like I kind of put myself out there, be like, listen, I, how about we set aside time for to chat on Sunday or something like you so have to communicate. They don't think they're being overbearing to you. A lot of that is about they, setting boundaries. They don't know that they're being overbearing. It's all boundaries, but you have to communicate as well. You can't expect people to read your mind and know that they're annoying you or they're bothering you or, you know, we have to, in setting boundaries, it, it's communication, right? Clear as kind. Like mm, Renee Brown said. That. All right. I love that. All right. I have one more question for you. So I love this question because to remember where you started, I think it's such a powerful way to practice gratitude. And I want to know from you, can you describe yourself when you started in this business and then describe yourself now and describe who you hope to become? Okay. Yes. When I started in this business, I was uh, very young, very arrogant, and I felt like I had a lot to prove. So everything I did was to prove people wrong and to prove myself right. So I don't think I appreciated what we do. Like, I was, I, I didn't have a love for it, to be honest, the way that I do now. Um, I really thought I was just doing hair and I thought I was fabulous at it and nobody could tell me anything. And I would think I was probably just like angry all the time. But again, I was young, it was decades ago. I think now I've come to a place where I realize um, that I, I, I'm in the service. I serve my clients. It's so little to do with the hair and it's about for me connecting and sharing and growing and, um, being a safe place for people, you know, who haven't, who sometimes come to me and that's the only place that they feel comfortable, like crying their eyes out for an hour and a half because they have to be this like strong person, whatever it looks like for my clients. And I think that that, and, and they've given me that, you know, in all the years and all the things that have happened to me that they've watched throughout my life from, you know, meeting my husband and getting married and buying a house and, you know, and all, and lost we've had, you know, they, it's been such a gift to be able to connect with people um, and learn so much about how much we're all the same. And so I think that that's been a big focus of mine lately is trying to find ways that we're all more the same than different. Whereas when I started, I was looking for like why I was better than everybody or why I was different than everybody. And now I'm looking for ways that we're all the same and who I hope to be in the future. I just, I, um, I really want, I want to just like jump in and just say like, it just goes from in the beginning, like when you're not confident and you're afraid, you have that mindset of, I need everything. So you might be like mean or, or like cocky or arrogant or I'm the best, like no one else can be better, like only me. 
and we're all in the center of our universe anyway. And like now it's more like, how can I give? How can I help? And like, it's a complete opposite mindset of like when you switch to like, how can I help instead of like, what more can I get? And I love that. Now, what do you think or what, who do you hope to be? Describe who you hope to be in the future. When I think about my future self, I, it's hard for me. I don't ever think of my future self um, as like retired or in as far as the business because it's become such a part of me. I mean, even when I stop doing hair behind the chair, like I'll still be teaching or, or doing something in that capacity because it fulfills me so much. Like I don't see myself like not being a part of this industry ever. That's like doesn't happen in my brain. So I focus more on the type of home I'm creating and the type of humans I'm raising. You know, I'm trying, that's what I focus on. And I, I watch my kids develop and I watch them grow. And I just hope that I'm creating an environment that they come back to as much as we go back to my mother's house or creating like a safe place. Like I'm trying to raise men who understand that their emotions are okay. And I expect them to to share their emotions and I want them to be able to like identify like you know I had to I was trying to teach like my four-year-old like what jealousy was like I want them to have the tools and the words for the feelings they have and I'm trying to just I want a home where there's a revolving door and there's like loudness and laughter and sadness and I kind of focus on like when my husband and I are grandparents like I what how like the dinners will be at our house and like we I want to have like that's that's what I'm trying to cultivate and create here and build. And that's when I think about my future. It's like being here still in this house with my husband and like having like my son's girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever friends they have, like me being the house they want to be at and, and helping, you know, that's, that's where I see my future. Like right here, still doing what I'm doing just with older kids, I guess. I love it. And it's like when you focus on that and what truly matters, it, it all comes just flowing freely to you. And I love it, Allison. Thank you for making the time to be on the podcast with me. I just love chatting with you. I can talk to you all day long and I just appreciate you so much and the value that you bring. And I know that my listeners will too. So thank you so much again. Oh, I love you so much, honey. Thank you.